0: URC Youth Trialogue. Three people, three questions, three values. Hello and welcome again to Trialogue. So my name's Ruth White and I'll be your host this evening. And we have three fabulous panellists with us. And I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves briefly now. So if we could start with Ruth.
1: So confusingly, I'm Ruth Whitehead. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but we we know who we are. Um, I'm a, a minister of the United Reformed Church. At the moment, I serve as the moderator for the Southwestern Synod, and I'm uh, a cis woman married to another cis woman.
2: Thank you. Alex. I'm Alex Clare young Um, I'm also a United Reformed Church Minister, at the moment serving part-time with an online uh, church community called Trispacious, and doing a PhD looking at trans identities and faith understandings, and I myself identify as trans-masculine, having transitioned from assigned female at birth towards male.
0: Thank you. And John?
2: I too am a Minister of
3: the United Reformed Church and I'm currently serving as the General Secretary uh, and I identify as a cis gay man who's single. Thank you,
0: well the three of you thank you so much for being here and um, and this is a brave, brave episode so it's really really appreciated you being part of this conversation. We welcome all of you who are watching whether it's live tonight Or watching later or listening on the podcast you are welcome here and this is your safe place and we hope that you will be encouraged by our conversation and we hope that you'll join in and there'll be more about that in a minute but first of all let's pray father god thank you for the diversity we find in all your creation Be with us tonight as we spend time together, help us to speak kindly, help us to explore bravely, give us all open hearts and ears to learn from each other. Encourage those who have joined us tonight feeling alone or misunderstood and be with us in our conversations through your Holy Spirit. Amen. So do get involved. We know that there's been lots of click likes going on on the Facebook advert for this episode. So I'm thinking there's a lot of people with questions that they would like to ask. And you can post your comments or your questions. Comments are good as well. And on Slido and the information is going across the bottom of your screen now. So a bit of background, this month the URC youth have been celebrating Pride Month as part of their their Disassembled program. And they provided young people in the URC the opportunity to hear from LGBT plus members of our church. Too often um, they realized people were feeling alone, like they were the only one, experiencing judgment and sometimes left hurting. And tonight, we want to explore and discuss together what the Bible has to say in this topic. We might not provide all the answers. We might not find any answers (laughs) that we're looking for. And as one of our panelists said to me recently, this is a deep and often personal mystery. We want to talk in ways that honor people, but language changes quickly, and we might not be perfect we might say the wrong term please we ask cover it in grace and know that our heart is in a good place tonight we do look forward to hearing your thoughts and your comments this is your opportunity there's no closed off questions but of course our panelists do reserve the right not to answer so I gave our panellists three questions to get us going. Doesn't matter if we don't get through all questions. Our priority is you, the listeners and the watchers and the things that you would like to address. To get us started, I asked, what is your experience around the Bible and LGBT plus lives? So I'm going to ask Alex, John and then Ruth to respond. Thank you
2: my experience with the bible has been constantly changing and constantly challenging in both good ways and difficult ways when i was a teenager i was very much told what the bible said and told that i must follow exactly what i was told the bible said and i was told that the bible said god created man and woman as two very separate entities and that was used against me quite often, including leading to me being thrown out of a church and having some quite difficult um, experiences akin to conversion therapy. So That was really hard. When I went to university, I was encouraged for the first time to really read scripture for myself. And that was quite enlightening to, to read it in a different way and to think, what do I actually think this says? I think any book, every person that comes to it reads it in a slightly different way, be- bearing in mind their own perspective, their own identities and their own experience. And with the Bible, I believe that that's even more so because we do have this deep mystery that that someone has already mentioned tonight, this deep sense of of unknowing and yearning to know God better that develops over time. Um, But for me, those verses from Genesis that have been used against me, God made man and woman, are something that I studied in a lot of detail when I was training for ministry because it was important to me to be able to understand them and to be able to think about what I was being told. And so I was very surprised when looking at them in Hebrew to find that ha-adam, which is the word that's often kind of translated to either mankind or Adam, doesn't have to be seen as gendered at all. It can just as equally mean the human, that the word negdo, which is sometimes used to refer to women as being helpmates, actually talks a lot more about similarities and kind of seeing each other as if in a mirror, and that importance of dialogue between each other, that humans aren't even gendered really explicitly until Genesis 2. And also that it's worth thinking about those passages alongside the diversity that we see in nature that isn't necessarily reflected directly in these passages. So it's been really interesting for me, I think, to go on that journey and to realize that there are lots of different ways of reading scripture and that scripture can be read as really affirming. It's difficult when someone comes back and says, you're unbiblical or you're not paying attention to the Bible, because for me, all of this comes out of a deep love for scripture and I want to actually engage really seriously with it.
0: thank you, Alex. John.
3: Some of Alex's experiences um, resonate very much with me as well. I think when I was young personally I was in many ways quite wary of scripture, particularly around all these issues of sexuality. get wary of um, all the kind of negative stuff that would get thrown at me every now and again um, or if not directly at me because I wasn't really out so but you know you live in this culture where some you know this small selection of verses from scripture gets thrown around sometimes people refer to them as clobber verses because you get clobbered by them but actually as you begin to engage scripture yourself and on that personal journey with scripture, I began to find a radically different book that I found opened up a whole world of, you know, God's dealings with us as human beings and the life of the world, um, which I began to find really quite exciting and actually quite liberating and felt quite different from what I what I was almost expecting to find there. Um, and what, what I really found there was something, something quite different um and um scripture has been absolutely seminal to my own personal journey of faith and life of faith uh, and ministry and one of the things as uh, for periods of my ministry i have at times worked um, specifically with lgbt plus christians and i've often found this hesitancy and reticence can be there about scripture um And, you know, the joy and excitement when people get beyond that and discover just the kind of liberating love of God that that resonates through scripture and the way scripture speaks to every conceivable kind of moment and emotion that life throws us at us is is quite wonderful. So it's been quite a journey. Um, but one ends ultimately it's an ongoing journey one's never done with scripture uh, but one that for me uh, has been transformative and liberating ultimately
1: thank you Ruth Mm. Um, I I, I think I want to tell a story a story of coming at the bible from two different positions Uh, so I was married to a man for 10 years Uh, And at that point, I think uh, my love of the Bible, my desire to use the Bible in much the same way as as, um, Alex and John have said, to explore the Bible. But I was able to look at the sexuality question, you know, kind of from an arm's length, because I was sorted out, thank you. And I knew what I thought and I knew what I felt and I I knew what my life had in store. Um, But then I started meeting people who also took the Bible seriously, but had these things to say about human sexuality. That was very interesting. And I read the work of people like James Allison, and I recommend anything by him. He's a Roman Catholic priest um, and uh, he takes the Bible really seriously. He goes into some of those things about Sodom and Gomorrah, where you say, what what is this story doing in the Bible? Um, and, And he has really good and helpful things to say so again you know from an answer oh this is all very interesting rubs chin thinks um, and then my marriage fell apart um, and that's kind of hard because i was a minister by then in the church and it was hard to say to people my, my personal life is is hard and i don't know where i'm going and then i fell in love with a woman um, and then i had to say so does the bible say this is wrong and it means god has revoked my call to ministry uh, but honestly, I couldn't find that in the Bible anywhere uh, or in my prayer life. And then I came across a, a group called the Accepting Evangelicals. And their line very simply was, well, look at John 3.16. God so loved the world he gave his only son that whoever believes should not perish but have eternal life. And that's it. That, that's the promise of grace of God. And and that for me is the promise that God still puts on my life and the grace that God still tries to pour into my life. Um, And and then with that sense of the love of God and that interest in what the Bible says, for me, as as the other two have said, the continuing exploration of saying, I'm happy to sit down with anybody and look at the Bible and ask what what is this saying to us? Uh, And how can this help us and restore us and bring grace into our lives. Because as we all know, that's what the gospel is. It's meant to be good news and it's it's meant to bring grace into our lives.
0: Wow. So there's already loads here, audience. <laughs> um I've already written about five questions down. I don't know about anybody else watching. So so what's your thoughts on what you've just heard? How do you respond to that? Is it helping in any way? Or does it still leave you with a question around perhaps what someone has said to you about what the Bible may or may not say? Feel free to write that down, pop it into the chat in Slido, and I can share it with our panellists. You've got a wealth of experience here. This is our opportunity. Um, Before we move on to our second question, would you like to come back at each other on anything
1: and discuss any of that further? I think if we do that, we could take all night. <laughs> we said that, didn't we? we said, yeah, we could just do the one question
0: all night. I don't want to move you on too quick, though, if there's something left unsaid.
3: It is fascinating the way um, different parts of scripture speak to you at different moments in life, maybe. So I remember I was always very kind of skeptical of St Paul because St Paul says some really difficult things and mm. supposed to talk and are supposed to cover their heads and you know blah 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 and yet actually the more I've lived with St Paul um, and the absolute heart of St Paul's spirituality and faith is this thought that what really matters is, is that as Christians we are in Christ, that's where we get our identity from, um, we are baptized into Christ with water and spirit um, and a story of death and resurrection becomes our story of death and resurrection. And of course, that, that sort of famous bit of St. Paul, which comes back in different forms at different moments in his writings, where he talks about, in Christ, there is no male or female, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. And I think that, for me, has become one of the absolutely central parts of this, because I think there's a real radicalness at the heart of St. Paul that has social and political um realities embedded in it that not even he stuck in his time and place and could see the full riches of um, and so it was that for many centuries in the life of the, the church um, you know people didn't really see the impact that our identity comes from being in Christ not these human characteristics either biological or cultural or or religious or ethical but um but actually being in joined by the spirit to Christ and getting one's identity from that and so it takes you know, centuries before the church wakes up and realizes that that means you know slavery as a concept just cannot hold when that's at the foundation of our faith. You know, similarly with questions of gender and the role of women in the life of the church, it took yet longer, really, before most of the churches grasp the reality of what this is. And I think that goes with, with issues of sexuality too. And whenever we, we place our human identities before our identity of being baptized Christians who are in Christ, and because we are in Christ in one another, then something's gone gone really wrong and 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 that's maybe an example of a a a part of scripture one of the key authors of the new testament where i've gone from being very skeptical as a young man to just someone profoundly shaped and influenced by these texts that is always seeing something new and yet more challenging we've
0: had a question come in so i'm going to take it now if that's okay I think someone mentioned this, which is probably what got it started. So someone is asking why, why is Sodom and Gomorrah in the Bible? (laughs) Who would like to have a stab at that one?
1: My fault. for Is that your fault, Ruth? So these are a set of, a whole set of stories. The the one that we tend to focus on is, is the one of Sodom and Gomorrah. And there's this, the sin of Sodom, which was, you know, that they they were having gay relationships, but actually, yeah, the, the sin of Sodom is uh, that they they want to murder people, um, and and there's a horrible bit where Lot says, no, don't don't be um, don't or the people sheltering mm-hmm. Lot, sorry, say no, don't don't um, rape these male visitors uh, here. Have my daughter now you can't say therefore oh this this story teaches us how to behave this story teaches us that 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 um sex between men is so wrong always in all circumstances it would be better to rape a woman because that's clearly nonsense so there's something about hospitality and there's something about the stories of the people of god that there are bits of, of those stories, like stories of people having multiple wives and things like that, which we think, no, that that isn't the bit that we're meant to take from this. It's about taking a much broader picture. So Sodom and Gomorrah is part of the whole story of the people of God. And we have to take all of those stories together um, and kind of understand the the themes that run through even if some rather peculiar things happen because they're people of different cultures from long ago so they're not going to be just like us and have lives just like ours but things like the grace and mercy of god and the need for love and mercy in god's people are the themes that run right through
2: it kind of to me it really highlights something that i find quite interesting about how we treat the bible and i think sometimes in the church we prioritize tradition over really wrestling with what's in the bible because actually the fact that there's sex between two cis men in that passage is such a tiny part of the passage compared to the amount of violence and despair and that's quite often the case in some of these passages that are used as clobber passages or used against um, homosexuality um, or transgender identities that often they're passages that are really deeply troubling in other ways and the fact that because the church has over time developed certain traditions of, of how it understands human sexuality and human gender to work, sometimes that's prioritized over what the Bible actually says. So I think it's really helpful to go back to these really difficult passages and actually think, well, what, what is this saying? Is it saying anything useful? And if it is, what is it? And I think, yeah, don't kill and rape people seems to be a more easily generalizable message from that passage
3: and it's really interesting because scripture reads itself as well so other bits of scripture will refer back to the Sodom and Gomorrah story and when it does it always seems fairly clear from the, the context of those parts that it is this this hospitality. you know it's the failure to offer hospitality and instead of hosp- offering hospitality to the stranger which is a you know, a, a good ethical, biblical command. Instead, they want to turn around and rape and murder these people. Well, yeah, I think we might all want to agree that's a sin that we should not not follow. Um, and sometimes we have to allow scripture to read itself and, and, and see how it refers back to itself within the whole canon of scripture. And that, that can help us situate how we understand, you know, really difficult and dark stories like that one.
0: It's really useful, thank you. Uh, it's made me think that the the um it's interesting that the Sodom and Gomorrah story may be used against somebody to say, well, it's a sin what you're doing, um, and yet what they're doing is using a story which is about how they should be being hospitable. <laughs> so um, I I found the humour in that. Thank you for that. Um, I'm going to move you on to question two. Don't forget. Watchers, listeners, viewers, send in your comments and questions. This is your episode. But for now, I will ask the second question. And this was about um, particularly young people who who may have experienced or be experiencing real negativity and judgment, often supported by the Bible. Um, And the question was raised by a young person of, well, how do we respect Everyone's views, whilst also not doing any harm. So I'm going to ask Ruth, then Alex, then John.
1: And I'm going to talk about sin again. Um, I'm going to talk about. I've already talked about sin more in the last twenty minutes than I normally do all week. But there we go. Maybe it's the topic. Uh, But but when people want to say, and sometimes they do want to say to me, "You're but that means you're a sinner." my answer is, yes, I am. I, I am a sinner. I'm, I'm selfish and I'm impatient. Um, and, and I think you're being a bit rude. And, and I feel like telling you that. Um, you know, all, all of the things, sin is what separates us from God and God's will for us. Sin is when we hurt other people. Sin is when we turn away from God. Sin is when we, we don't love ourselves as a child of God and we don't love other people as children of God. So yes LGBT plus people are sinners but that's because we're all sinners and and the people who want to criticize or oppose those of us who are LGBT plus are also sinners. Now because we just mentioned Sodom and Gomorrah that, that sense of hospitality being prepared to sit down and talk and listen and accept one another as children of God so that The things we should be doing are the things which bring good news and life and mercy and grace to people. Now, there are sexual sins. Sexual sins are not about who is having sex with whom or who is attracted to whom. It's about how you treat people. So if you hate people or you stifle them or you deny them life or you don't support them, that is a wrong and sinful sexual relationship. If, if someone doesn't consent, all of those things, we, we know all these things, but sometimes we kind of forget them when we're having the difficult conversation about does the person you love and the person you want a sexual relationship with, if you want a sexual relationship, does that mark you as a sinner? Um, and, and just my, my, my answer to that is no. And I have to hear myself say that. And remember, that means if someone is saying to me, you know, I don't think you should be doing that, I need to somehow make the space to say, what bit of my life is it? Because there may be something I'm doing wrong. There may be something in my relationship which is not life affirming and positive and loving. But mostly I kind of want a space to say to people, you know, you should meet my wife, she's fabulous. I mean she really is and 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 she has incredible patience with me and and i'm so much a better person for being in this relationship and i think miraculously she would say the same that's what a good relationship looks like that's what love looks like and it it feels limiting for someone to try to say but because it's between two women it can never be right that that, and so I, i sound a bit pitying and i don't mean to sound that but i'm trying when i have those those conversations to to make the space of grace where we can genuinely listen to one another and concentrate on what's really important and and it's no good me saying what you're doing is hateful and you're horrible and i don't want to talk to you because i'm just then reflecting back that hatred so it's it's trying to remain loving it's it's hard but that's what i try to do
2: Yeah, I think for me, the question in some ways answers itself, because I I don't think that views cause people harm. I think that what we do with our views can cause people harm. And I think there's a difference between respecting each other's views and allowing or enabling people to cause harm to each other. Um, You know, we have the right to believe whatever we believe. We have the right to um, say things that other people might find difficult to hear. What we don't have the right to do is directly harm people. Um, I've never explicitly tried to change what anyone thinks. I will tell people what I think. But I never say, you shouldn't think what you think. Because actually, I think what individuals think um, is for them and God to work out together. And I can can say what I think. And our conversations can be a part of, of shaping that. But it's not for me to determine what someone else thinks. But that goes two ways, because I have often experienced people who disagree with me about what the Bible says, trying to change how I think. And I don't think that's OK either. I think that if people who have a different view to me have the right to their beliefs and to free speech, so do I. The only time I've ever tried to stop someone um saying what they think about me was when it was leading to direct harm, when it was leading to people threatening to harm myself, my wife, our house and our congregation members. And I think that kind of illustrates that there is a point at which what we say can cause direct harm. And at that point, it's no longer a point of view. It's, it's something that, that does need to be challenged, and that we have laws that are there to, to challenge that.
3: I'd want to echo a huge amounts of what uh, Ruth and Alex have just said, um, I think there's a real difference between, um, you know, um, freedom of expression and people's um, ability to, um, uh, to think freely, uh, express their points of view, which I might not agree with, which I might find difficult to hear, which might be challenging and uncomfortable and that which then directly does, does people harm. So I think, you know, there's an interesting one that's been around quite a bit in the media at the minute about, um, you know, conversion ther- therapies um, and, uh, you know, I, I am quite open to having the debate and the discussion with someone if, some, if someone wants to to kind of say that my innate sexuality can be changed well. know that's really so very far from my lived experience of that but i'll I'll have the conversation and i'll explain quite a lot of the scientific stuff that maybe begins to explain why some people are attracted the way they are might be a very incomplete kind of picture but you know and i'll explain what it feels like and i'll explain my story you know and i'll have that conversation and i'll you know i'll listen to what someone says but if someone you know, wishes to begin to exert real pressure on me to say no, you know, the way you are understanding this simply is wrong, uh, you can change, you must change, you will change, this is the program you are going to go through that will make that happen. You know, we know the huge damage that, that does to people, you know, we know that that, that, that leads to um, the people taking their own lives, we know that that, that le- leads quite literally at times to death. Um, you know and there's a very clear dividing line there I think between you know being open to having a conversation about something with which you disagree or or even where it's pretty clear that, that factually the basis behind what someone's saying is up the creek, uh, and then that moment that it becomes something which which becomes not you know life-giving but actually death-giving you know, and that's that's gone and in the life of the church of course you know um We've started with sin and, and ended with with grace. And, and grace is what enables us to live together as people who disagree with one another. Uh, and I'll go back to my you know, favourite bit from St Paul about the fact that we're in Christ. And, and we are not in Christ on our own. God has engrafted into Christ all sorts of other people who are our sisters and our brothers. And one of the really weird things about church is you can't choose who they are. God's chosen who they are, God's chosen who God brings us into relationship with um, in the life of the the church and and, and it is by God's grace and the work of the Holy Spirit that somehow or other, despite all our differences and our disagreements, um, you know, we come together to worship. God, we come together to live our lives of discipleship and deepen that. We come together around Scripture and help one another see things in it that we've not seen before. Um, you know, and 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 when we embody that as the life of the church, there is something quite spectacularly special about it. Um, but it, it, it's always something that ultimately finds its origin in God's work and God's grace, because God can do it. At the moment, I have run out of energy and emotion and ability to do it and yet even when I am at the end of the road and can't do that anymore somehow or other God can and and sometimes God can do that even through me who's reached the end of the road and can't do it anymore Uh, so it it really is you know we've started with sin but 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 we get to grace and it's grace that enables us to um to become the people that in our own powers we can't
0: well how does that work another question but how does that work if (laughs) The person having to do all the grace for us all to be able to live together is the person who's feeling lonely and left out and very done to and judged. Um, is there a point where that person actually needs to say, perhaps this isn't the place for me? Or, you know, how? I guess the question is, how long do you have to fight? Have um, you got any
2: i think interestingly that is something that's kind of in some ways in all of our responses we've we've kind of felt each of us that there is this point at which you cannot go any further there's this point at which dialogue does turn to something that is bullying or perhaps abusive and at that point safety is the most important thing and i would say if that's happening in a youth space context then you should reach out to someone for support um and that actually it's the job of people um, like me and Ruth and John who have been living with this for a lot longer to deal with those like the harsh edge of it. Um, There's an amazing song. Um, I know a song sounds like a really glib thing to offer um, to, to that question, but there's a song by Common Hymnal called God is Not Abusive. And when I've had those conversations that have really hurt me, just going and listening to that song and reminding myself who God is, before I then seek help to deal with the conversation has been really helpful for me.
1: I think I'd, I'd want to say, um, it's been my experience that sometimes I have the argument or the battle or the conversation. And sometimes I go, nah. you know, I'm just, no, not today, not now. Um, I'm just, um, I, I haven't got the energy. Uh, not not that I would turn away from somebody but there are times when just the thing to do is is close down the conversation and and go away somewhere where you are loved and appreciated because we none of us can battle all the time and I don't think any of us should feel that we have to but know that that because you have chosen not to have the battle or you have chosen not to be out or you have chosen not to say something, doesn't change who you are and doesn't mean you're letting anybody down. Because I think we all have the right to, to be who we are, but we, nobody has the right to get that information out of us or put that label on us. And, and one of the things that I find really difficult is is when I hear people say of somebody else that they are a gay minister or a trans person, or you think well that they're, they're children of God, and how they want to self-identify is up to them, and, and you know I mean the 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 issue of of pronouns, which gets some people terribly worked up, to simply say to someone. Which pronouns would you prefer me to use? It's not a hard thing to do. Who am I to put pronouns on someone? Who am I to put labels on someone? And that goes back the other way, that I don't expect somebody to, to put a label on me without first asking me. You know, and thank you, Ruth, for you know, we, we all introduced ourselves. We were given complete liberty to say of ourselves what we wanted to say. Uh, and I think that's a that's a basic human right. So I would say to young people or anybody, you don't have to have the battle every hour of every day, and and the please find the people where you can go and say, oh, you know, and just know that you can relax and be yourself.
3: We all need those, you know, friends and and the family of the church around us that, 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 that scoop us up in those moments when we when we just can't do it anymore ourselves. Um, but I think it's it, it's also something to remember you know sometimes sometimes when it's a bad day you can think oh goodness yeah, it is it's always me that has to do the gracious thing it's always me that has to but actually that that's not true you know and I've got good friends and colleagues who would take a very different line on some of this stuff to me who when they reflect honest, honestly about how hard it can be for them to live in the church where um, you know we have gay ministers and congregations may choose to um, celebrate same-sex marriages and so on and, and just um, how hard it is for them to um, to work out when the moments are they feel that they're allowed to express their view and when they feel that they're not and, and so so it's not you know and that always causes me to remember actually it's not it's not just me uh, it's not just people like me that, that go through that whole set of emotions um that arise because we we live in this you know family of people who disagree um you know it, it's people with whom i disagree as as well and um you know sometimes it's sometimes it's easy to sort of think of yourself as the oppressed minority but yet i kind of have to sort of recognize that you know, given the role the church has asked me to do at this particular period in time, it's a bit hard to really go too far down the "I'm a oppressed minority" kind of kind of line, isn't it? Um, and, and 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 you know, those with different views from me experience it, it differently, and I have to listen to how hard it can be for them too. So um, but nobody should suffer this stuff in silence and alone. They should always reach out, to find yeah. someone to, to talk to about with them.
0: of someone yeah and for any young person watching or listening who genuinely felt they had nobody I guess this whole month has been about sharing stories so that they know they're not on their own and there are people out there they can reach out to through URC Youth and they can talk to their SIDOs in their synods if there was no one else they can turn to there's always a SIDO that can help point you to a, a person that is perhaps living closer that could support you in some way. So what is a SIDO? The question has just come in (laughs) cheeky. So so a SIDO is a a children and youth development officer. They might be called something different in your synod, um, but it's a synod appointed person with responsibility for children and or youth work within your synod. There you go. There's a long winded explanation of a SIDO for you. Um, to 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 support what you've been saying somebody wrote in that their own experience of people in the urc who do not accept same-sex relationships is that they are vocal about their views but still willing to be part of a church that welcomes includes and supports everyone um has this been your experience i think you might have answered that and and this leads us on to our third question actually because our time is going fast um they ask what lessons might the URC offer to other churches and wider society on this? And that is, was our last question as well, which was what can we do to challenge and perhaps change the narrative um, that is currently in some places? So choose which of those you would like to address, really, for your, your final statements ish.
3: I think at the clock. Um,
0: uh, I
3: think John. Uh, yeah. Can I kick off on this one? Yeah. <sighs> Pride is a sin, isn't it? I'm not sure I should say I'm really proud of the URC when, but I am actually really proud of the URC in some ways on this one, because I think one of the biggest things we can offer is that we have been willing to be honest about where we actually are on these issues, um, which is that that we disagree, uh, but that we wish to live together whilst we disagree. And um, I do look at some of our sisters and brothers in other churches who are trying to be faithful Christians just like we are, and, but have very much gone down the line that there has to be a party line, and there has to be an official policy um, we pretend everybody signs up to, um, when everybody knows that that's not the case. Everybody knows that that there's just the breadth of diversity and views in those traditions as there, there are in, in ours, and yet... And, and and that I think can become really quite toxic because it it leads to the don't ask don't tell kind of thing. It leads to people people frankly kind of living a double life. Well, this is my public church life, and this is my private life, and, and kind of people know about that, and 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 yet that's actually really unhealthy, and, and that can lead to some really unhealthy. Places and and I think it can lead to, at times to some abusive places if one one is perpetually living half your life in a in a half light, as it were. Um, and I I think you know one of the things that that we really have done well with is the ability to have been completely honest about where we actually are um, and. and have that conversation and have that dialogue and be willing to keep living with it and, and keep that dialogue and that conversation going without um kind of foreclosing it too quickly because we think we've got to have a party line and we think we've got to have the definitive position that somehow we've got something wrong if we haven't actually i think we might have got something wrong by something right by not not doing that so um i think there is a real gift there it, That we can maybe offer to others in how to go about having some of these conversations.
1: Yep, and and all of that, (laughs) and I think you know what 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 can the church do? And I think it is at its best. What we can do as the church is make a space where people can have the sorts of conversations to help us all to work out what does a loving relationship look like? What does a positive relationship look like? What is it what does it mean for a relationship to be life affirming? And not just sexual relationships, you know, to understand friendship, to understand love, to understand companionship, but also a space where you we can all explore, you know, what is this extraordinary thing of of fancying somebody or being attracted to somebody or falling in love with somebody, or, you know, there aren't adequate words why is it that you you meet two person two people and one of them you say you know they're absolutely beautifully put together They're, they're lovely to look at but there's nothing and that somebody else you might think well they look like a bag of spanners but there's something about them that makes my heart sing and and we none of us understand what that is and and if if any of us have ever tried to make yourself fancy somebody um, I haven't done it for a few years. I'd better say that quickly in case my wife watches this. Um but but you know, I can remember at one point in my thinking it would be really convenient to to be attracted to this person. Um I think it was a just stage in my life when I hadn't got a car and they had an, and it was a Morgan two plus two. But I just I just couldn't do it. I could couldn't it didn't work because it isn't an act of the will. It is it is a it is an act of the heart and the soul and that teaches us about discipleship of Jesus and what it means to be a church because that's not an act of will either it's not that we read the bible and decide it all makes perfect sense and we'll kind of do that it's about discovering this love of God which is all-consuming and overwhelming that we'll never get to the end of or we'll never understand and I, I love it when the church is a place when we admit we haven't really got it sorted out yet But we've got some things to help us out we know what love looks like we know what love feels like we know what it it is to be loved and we know that's what we're made for and that's what the church should help people to do that's what i want to see all of us doing that's what i hope this trialogue helps us all with just a little bit more
2: i think i agree with a lot of what's been said and i definitely agree that the way in which we've um shown how it is possible to agree to disagree. It is really important and matters. I would want to say there's still work to do. And I think perhaps as a trans person, I feel some of that um, in a slightly different way. Um, because for me, same sex marriage it is, is one particular facet of LGBT inclusion in the church. But as a trans person, I still find certain things quite difficult. Um, the hardest thing for me is that I think often in churches people think you shouldn't talk about being LGBTQ plus and for me who I am and my identity in Christ which both John and Ruth have talked about really powerfully is interwoven with my gender identity and my understanding of scripture and all sorts of things are interwoven with that so it's very hard to be an authentic minister without talking about who I am so that's something that's a little bit challenging so I think Having agreed to disagree, I think we now need to get to a point where we're having open conversations about what we think and about who we are um, and not simply shutting down conversations because of that uh, disagreement. And I also think that we're in a really positive place to start to say some things about gender identity, because so far we haven't really said anything at all. As a denomination about gender identity. And also to say some things about safeguarding, because there's something going on in the UK at the moment where there's questions about whether or not LGBTQ plus people need to be particularly considered in safeguarding categories. And for me, all adults can be vulnerable adults or adults at risk at times in their lives. And it's really, really important that the church starts to speak now about what that means for how we do safeguarding with LGBTQ plus people.
0: There's a lot there. (laughs) I feel like a working party needs to now be called. (laughs) I have no doubt in my mind that URC youth will be listening to this. Um, URC youth often lead the way, I'm finding, in the URC. Um, I'm a Baptist who works for the URC, and I'm with you, John. I'd never heard of the URC before I began working for them, and I was bowled over by the way they handle themselves, the way they discuss things like this. Um, just brilliant. And, and, and the, the youth really do seem to lead the way in being brave and tackling things head on. So, Alex, I'm sure they've heard. <laughs> uh, watch this space. I'm presuming there'll be a few motions coming, <laughs> a few recommendations for things. Um, this is what trilog is about, isn't it? It's about hearing what young people would like us to have a chat about, which is what we've done tonight, and then handing it back and saying, what do you think needs to happen next? Um, As the church of our today, really. So I think we are in safe hands. And I think you've given us a lot to think about tonight and a lot of threads um, to go away and really have a munch on over the next few weeks. I will put, all the links, the, the, the comments, that the, the song you mentioned, Alex, I do think it's a shame you didn't turn around and give it us on the old piano there. Um, and the books that, that Ruth mentioned, so anything else as well, we'll put those as links for everybody on the Facebook trial page and on the URC Youth pages for people to continue this learning, this wrestling with, um, and this moving forwards. So thank you for your time. Thank you for being brave. Thank you for sharing. Your generosity of your stories is brilliant. And do keep watching and listening, viewers, to everything that URC Youth are putting online this month. Some of the stories that they've been sharing are just brilliant. So do check them out and be encouraged um, and join in. You can join in by sending in your big questions, your topics for future episodes, and you can do that through your SIDOs, your Children's Youth Development Officers, um, or or on Slido this evening or in the future as well, and on the Facebook pages. So one final thank you, because John has got to leave us very soon. So if you you are free now for the rest of the evening, you can join John, go with John, um, and... um, That's similar to Go With Peace. (laughs) So go with John now to to check out the Pray For The URC on the GEAR Facebook page, because John will be their special guest tonight praying for the URC. I think General Assembly probably um, that they'll be praying for a lot. So all that's left for me to do is thank you. Thank you for this episode. Thank you for being a part of it. We hope it's been useful to you. And I'm going to ask John to close for us now in prayer.
3: Thank you. Let us pray. Living God, we give you thanks that you have created a wonderful and a diverse world, that you have called us to be your people, to be people who are in Christ, children of the living God, siblings of one another. And we pray that through the work of your spirit, we will be filled with your grace We will know ourselves to be graciously loved, forgiven and freed. And that that grace will overspill. We will love, forgive and seek freedom for all that we encounter. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, John. Thank you,
0: Ruth. Thank you, Alex. And thank you to everyone for watching and listening, whether it's live tonight or later on. And we hope it's been encouragement to you. And please, please, please keep the conversation going. Uh, Let's keep talking about this. But for now, our time has gone. Thank you very much. And good night. Goodbye, everybody.